Welcome to the Life Success Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd like to welcome our listeners back to uh, another edition of our Life Success and Legacy Podcast. I'm very excited uh, with this podcast um, to introduce to all of you Dr. Eric Benson. Um, Dr. Benson and his lovely wife, Jeanette, have been dear friends of ours for many, many years. Um, he was actually good friends with our founder, Mike, Mike Everett, um, before I was even uh, really a part of the picture, I think. Um, Dr. Benson, up in Grand Island, Nebraska, he is a uh, practicing uh, chiropractor, very successful chiropractor, and has some interesting hobbies, uh, interests, etc., Dr. Benson, I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Chris. Glad to be here. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So for our listeners, will you give a little bit of context um, about yourself, your family, your practice, um, just some bullet points to share with them so they can kind of uh, get to know you a little bit? Well, I've come from a very... Um, multiple background. I, I grew up thinking through high school that I was going to be a contractor building um, high-end residential houses until uh, shortly after I was married, if you recall, in the early 80s, um, home interest rates went up to 26%. <laughs> and those were floating and they lasted um, for a year and then they wanted to refinance. So in short order, um, we ended up moving back to the farm and, and of all things, dairy farming uh, for a number of years. And I have to tell you, I love the farm, Chris. Mm -hmm. I, it, is, it is wonderful. The animals, but they don't talk. And anybody who gets to know me knows that I just love people and I love to help people. So uh, to my wife's great joy, we moved off of the dairy farm because if you've ever done dairy, dairy is daily. That's every mm -hmm. day of year, morning and night. Um, it's daily and uh, back to school. And I went back to do what I had been told I should do in high school. And that is, Eric, you should become a chiropractor. Well, at that time, still chiropractic was a profession where when you walked into the room and they say, what are you? You'd say, well, I'm a doctor. What kind of doctor are you? You'd say, I'm a You'd garble of what the response is. And um, I've been in practice now 30 years, and it is phenomenal. My son is in school to be a chiropractor. Um, and now when we say I'm a chiropractor, everybody goes, well, I have a great one, or I've been looking for one, or uh, wow, this is great. And it's just been this blossoming, uh, no different than IBC at one point in time was looked at and scoffed at as uh, something weird. And, and now with the, all the proof available, People are hearing it and they're going, wow, that's that's something I can look at. So um, 30 years in practice, loving it and loving the people I get to help. Um, I have to tell you, the college president said to us as we were uh, in school, he said, if you will treat the first hundred patients like they're the only patients you will see for the rest of your life, you'll never lack for a patient and you'll never lack for anything. And uh, he was so right. Uh, great standard to live by but that's where we're at i have uh, grown children i have a beautiful wife of all of these years and uh as you said my wood working hobbies are there animals um we just of course can never get off the farm so animals are a dear part of us and uh i was chasing the american dream and it just was gradually building uh and uh, that's when i 
uh, first came in contact with Mike. Actually, it was before that. And I'm kind of maybe jumping to your questions with that. No, go ahead. Nope. I was going to ask, how how were you introduced to IBC? Well, I was brought up through, when I was in college, there was this bright orange book that was, uh, I think they called it Common Sense. And it was basically a guy who said, uh, take all your available money that you would be spending in insurance or anything else uh, and uh, buy um, term life insurance and invest the rest, of course, in their company. Um, so that's what we had done. We had started, um, retirement IRAs and, and we're starting to put our money in there. And of course, when I got into practice, the big rolling thing was to start 401ks. And so we went through the, uh, late eighties, early nineties growing this, um, except it seemed like I was always paying the fees and never really controlling that, um, money that I had put into it. And with no whim, it would drop by uh, the market and it would go up with the market. And it seemed like I had no control over what I had worked so hard to to put into that account. Well, we have um, two educational seminars a year in our state to get continuing education uh, sponsored by our state. And uh, they allow vendors to come in and speak. And there's this guy named Mike Everett and and (laughs) Seminar after seminar, he would be in that vendor room with a uh, a, this black book with a combination lock. And I think he must have given me a combination lock book um, when I first met him. And, of course, because we all know everything, it went into the pile. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was there. I was kind. I, I talked with him as though I knew what I was doing with my life. Uh, but inside I was like frustrated. Well, I don't know what it came up to, whether it was a snowy day, but that book dropped out and I literally read it from front to back. And it was like light bulb. Um, and it made sense. And then um, I didn't do anything with it. I, I went to another chiropractic meeting in California of all places. And my staff were with me and we were in a, um, a breakfast restaurant having our breakfast and at the table next to me, I hear this guy explaining uh, Nelson Nash's IBC principles to a group of guys around him. And I thought I got up and I just said, guys, listen to him. He's making sense. What he's saying. I turned around, came back home and I called up Mike and I said, let's get going. And um, Hmm. in the process of this, I've, I've turned some heads. My, uh, I got to my accountant explained what I'm doing. And he says, well, I guess it can't hurt anything, but I don't know if I do it. Um, and then I went and told my investment uh, holder and it was kind of quiet. And uh, I found out afterwards, as soon as he hung up with me, he called my accountant and said, do you know what he's doing? <laughs> <laughs> because I turned around and took all of those uh, various investments and, and put them into uh, policy. Mm-hmm. And I've never looked back. It's been amazing. So it came to you right away. You did. You didn't. It didn't take you time. Um, you weren't skeptical because we talk about you know the different ways that people come to it. I've got a, a dentist, Doctor Heck, and he's been on our podcast. And you know he learned about this eight years ago before he ever took a step forward. Um, but then there's other people who they hear it and it just clicks immediately for them. Well, How was it for you? 
Mine came, like I said, from I talked and Mike was explaining some of these things piece by piece as I would hear them at a seminar during breaks. But it was that moment when I read through Nash's book on uh, how to become your own banker, becoming your own banker. Mm -hmm. um, I hit the point that, I'm, okay, what is what is the thing that holds most people back? It's fear. When, was, when I went off the high diving board, and, uh, and you watch kids do it now, and they climb up the ladder, they'll climb down. Finally, they get the guts to run off the high board and jump into the deep end of the pool. Um, and the first thing on their face when they pop up out of the water is sheer exhilaration. They've had it's so fun, and they swim as fast as they can to the side and climb up and get on. Well, mine came at this point. I said, what is the worst possible thing that can happen? Because when I, you have a, a 401k investment or an IRA, if the market were to tank, you could lose it all. They, they say it clearly on all of their prospectus brochures. You know, this is not guaranteed. But when I looked at the policy and how it's written and how it's guaranteed, when I realized that every dollar of premium I put in would be available to me in cash value some seven to nine or ten years later when I first started, it was like, so if I decided that I don't want to do this and I wait seven years and I get it all back, that's, that's in the fact, sometimes better than what I experienced in the market. That, mm -hmm. to me, really sold it. And then the concept that I could use that money and leverage it towards my own business so that instead of borrowing from the bank, I could borrow from myself. And instead of even waiting and trying to skimp and crawl into the bank, I could look at myself and say, let's go on this. And... Uh, literally finance my own um, projects such mm -hmm. that I, I did not have a risk. What's the worst thing that go bad? I, I'd, I'd pay the interest the little bit that it is until the day I die and then my policy pays off my bad investment or my bad project. It literally mm -hmm. takes the water out of the swimming pool if you're afraid of drowning. It, it allows you a freedom to think clearly so now you don't, you're not under pressure. You're not listening to somebody's ill-informed advice. Um, I come from the, the farm background, and, and I've always listened to ranchers and farmers say, you know, the banker always wants to loan you money when the cattle price is high, but when it's low, they never want to loan you money. Right. Well, if I'm in the business now and cattle prices go down low and I know how it works, or if the stock market goes low and everybody's saying, um, you know, that's tanking, I... I can take a shot and buy in. And if it goes wrong, what do I lost? But if it goes right, I've just gained and I've paid myself interest in the process for the business. So that's what sold me on the fact that I needed to get started. And then my wife will tell you that I am a whole different guy because I'm so relaxed. I don't look at the markets. Somebody else isn't controlling my, my destiny. I get to control it because I've always mm -hmm. said that my best investment is me. Well, let's let's have some fun then um, about the ways you have used your your IBC system, used your policies, both personally and then within your business uh, as well. And and if it um, fits, one of the questions we oftentimes get is, well, why would I borrow from a life insurance company that's charging X percent of interest? when I could maybe borrow that money from the bank at a lower percentage. So if that fits into your uh, descriptions of, of the ways you've used it, um, that'd be great as well. Okay. Um, that's just a classic. I mean, I can go to the bank right now and borrow for the business at maybe 
four percent, uh, give or take. Um, and that four percent goes to the bank and I never see it again. Uh, I could borrow that same amount of money um, against my uh, policy cash value and pay uh, the company that is handling my policy the basically the business side fee of that. I'd, I'd have to pay that to the bank or I can pay it to them. But because I'm running my own bank, I can then also affix an interest legally and rightly uh, to the uh, transaction such that I am paying my own bank interest for the money I'm using. Um, this money um, I could pay to any other investment firm, but in this case, I'm paying it to myself. Um, mm -hmm. And that money goes back into uh, policy in the end. And you've explained that, I'm sure, to people in the book, and you can see how it actually works. So I won't mm -hmm. go else there, but sure. yep. it allows me to be the banker. Um, and I'm just helping a friend who, who is a rancher set up his work and uh, helping him to understand that instead of him going into the banker every year and begging for operating money, uh, he can borrow against his policy, affix a, a healthy, appropriate interest to what he borrows from himself and pay himself back, uh, thus allowing him to have more uh, funds for the policy and uh, basically paying himself before he pays anyone else. Yeah. Uh, the other places I've used this, and, and that is when you have uh, kids going to college, you have them going out, and, and granted, they may have the loans that go through the school for a while, but when all of my kids have come out, I've said, you know what, rather than paying back your student loans, why don't you pay back uh, the family policy funds that are started? And so instead of paying uh, Fannie Mae or whoever's doing it now, they pay back in towards our family funds. Um, so now they know that it's not just a wasted moment. They know that they are helping the family. Um, automobiles for the kids, rather than me being a dad and, and simply giving them money or asking them to pay me back, we set it up complete with the finance papers, with all the guarantees, with the uh, uh, title being held by me until the vehicle is paid off or being held by our bank, rather, until uh, the vehicle is paid off. Um, home projects, uh, home improvements, those are tax deductible still. And uh, why can I not borrow money from my bank as opposed to going to my local bank? We have identical paperwork, all of the things that match to it. So rather than uh, walking to the bank to add in a patio, you can simply um, do it all through your own own bank. I can see, oh, the, the, the most fun was buying a man lift. Um, <laughs> I remember when you told us about that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, you, It's a business. I have a property uh, management company, and every property management company needs a man lift to handle various things around the property. Um, and it's a, it's a solid investment that you can uh, do, and because they hold their value very well, but at the same token, I get to pay myself uh, first because I bought it through my bank. Mm. The following, um, it's, it's, there are so many possibilities. One that I'm just exploring now is so many people have gone out to buy um, long-term care. And 
what I've been watching in this is that if you have um, value in your policies that you can borrow against and even in, against the death benefits, uh, they are making ways possible now that where you go in for care can become a beneficiary of the policy. And that's something you may want to deal with in another uh, podcast because it's mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. bit more detailed. But it adds something because what if you don't go into a care home and uh, long-term care and you for all of those years have shelled into this insurance for it? And when you're done, what do you have to show for it? A, a goose egg. But if you're putting it into your own policy um, – even your kids could take out loans to put you all through the long term. And the moment you die, they have the death benefit to pay themselves back. There's so many options available when you have that asset. Um, Which so I think is, is why Nelson appropriately named the book, uh, the in, or the concept, the infinite banking concept. I mean, we're really only limited by our imagination of how we can apply this in our lives. At that and the legality of it, because everything you want to do, of course, you want to make sure is totally um, legal and good. I've, I've told my accountant I want to follow the law perfectly uh, so that I can sleep at night, but I want to have the best that the law will allow me mm -hmm. more than I'm in, I am supposed to. And I think it behooves us to be good stewards of the money put into our possession so that we use it wisely to help as many people as we possibly can. Um, it's one of the great, um, Rabbi Lappin writes so well about how money must flow and mm. how we use our money is actually a spiritual part of our lives. An animal has no concept of money, but we as humans do, it's, it's a spiritual entity. So what we do with our money highly, highly depicts, um, the values we have in life. So if we're not using our money wisely, we have to question what is our value in life. Um, that's why I'm so excited about this, because of the potentials for the future, um, not just for my own family, but for things that, that really mean a lot to me um, and values that I, I would like to see extended beyond my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Dr. Eric, you have um, recently added to your IBC, IBC system of policies. I think you are somewhere in the range of six policies now. I'm curious if you can uh, kind of explain to our listeners um, why and when would you add more policies and what circumstances and for what purposes? Okay. Um, there's multiple sides to that question. One there's a sentence in the book that Nelson writes that says, um, ideally, uh, every bit of a person's in income should go to policy. And by that statement, you would mean either to paying a premium or to repaying the policy loan. Um, because if it doesn't run through the policy, it doesn't give you value like what you could. You lose a potential value in that dollar that you earn. So if you think about it, as you by policy and you and you have a policy premium, you have ongoing policy premium, you have to balance the amount of income that you currently have and expect to have so that you don't overreach yourself. But at the same time, you have to say, what can, what could I do if I maximize the amount of policy I'm buying against the amount of repayments I have to policy loans that I've taken out? Um, unlike the bank, when you pay yourself back, you have available 
funds that you can then reborrow against the policy that you already own. Um, so there's this delicate balance. And so how I know is when I see that I have assets diminishing or payments on other things diminishing in other places and um, the numbers work out, that's when I buy more policies on the people I love. Oh, and, you know, you definitely want to have even the young people of your lives covered because for when you when you get into the upper phases of life, um, it takes longer for that premium dollar to uh, come back as cash value in the policy. But youngsters, uh, young people, simply because they know that these have the potential for a much longer life than um, uh, us old ones. <laughs> yes. They they have the potential to see that cash value rise even faster. Now, granted, there's some limitations as to uh, what policy can be written on a young person because of their um, actuarial value in those times. But as a person moves through life, you can add policy. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's something, again, in good stewardship that you should look and say to your family, don't think about this as a single generation. I found out about it. Now, all of my family, my kids are involved in it. Uh, they will work with their kids. And as we move on, you think to the possibilities of trusts. Uh, if if you read in what the Rockefellers did in their world, what other um, major families in America have done with this same concept, it brings to the thought that, you know, this is possible for a plain common Midwesterner to start a legacy. Uh, to start something that goes way beyond one lifetime, but becomes something that would encourage future generations to do the same thing over and over and over. Kind of takes out of the question the thought that, oh, I just get an inheritance and I get to go spend it on something and then it's gone uh, mm -hmm. or hope I can keep it. Rather, it says I can keep a, a lifetime of a family wealth to use it for good things, to promote an ongoing good family uh, foundation. Yeah, which which um, brings up Nelson Nash's number one principle, and that is think long term, and that is well beyond our lifetime. Um, you know, I've always been in professions that uh, don't necessarily pay a whole lot, and I never thought that I would be able to leave a financial legacy. Um, for my kids and someday grandkids, just because I didn't make a lot of money, but because of IBC and creating our own banking system and then also the death benefit that is a part of it, um, I actually have that opportunity now, which is very, very exciting for me. Precisely. And mm -hmm. if you think in this, it's it's the things then that you teach. So instead of just saying, let's put... Um, this dollar in your piggy bank until someday you think you want to spend it, you can actually say, well, let's put this into a policy that uh, will hold it and it will be there when you need it. That's, I don't think it's too soon to teach a, a young child how to use money, uh, especially in this present day when it seems to flow way too, too easily. Mm -hmm. I think it's very good uh, to bring back the concept because if you recall uh, in the study, Institutions that are mutual uh, life companies have weathered some of the strongest or worst um, financial storms. 
because Absolutely. of the way that they are designed. And um, unlike the market, which if you had money and it could crash and go away and you're left destitute, um, here at a time, at those times, if something were to happen, you should have the ability to, to tap into assets that could help those people, that could help your family by being able to buy into a very opportune market. Uh, yeah, it is, it is the possibilities I'm just beginning to learn of them. And um, mm -hmm. so I, I would, cons I would can recommend, I recommend it all the time. You yeah. I'll be young. I have a young patients that will come in. We don't talk about it much, but I might be willing to say there's a book that you need to look at. And if they're interested, they might be like me and it might be 10 years down the line. But um, once your mind has been stretched, it will never return to the same shape. It is, mm -hmm. Designed to be inquisitive, and I would, I would always tell people that I talk to. I said, "What's the worst possible thing that you can have happen to you if you do this?" And that is, you have to wait it out seven years, um, and that's just a round number. But mm. literally, take the fear out of that concept, and um, once you start doing it, just like the high diving board. Um, you start smiling every time you experience what it does. Um, and that's why I like it. Mm. Dr. Benson, um, our time flies by so darn quickly. I knew it would for sure with you. Um, I want to thank you, express gratitude to you for uh, your ongoing um, time and energy that you give us um, and sharing IBC I want to wrap up with this before we got uh, on the air. Um, we were talking about um, Nelson Nash, the the father of yeah. infinite banking. We just got word this morning that Nelson was um, going to be going in for a rather risky um, surgery for one of the valves in his heart. And his family has a history of heart issues. And um, Nelson actually passed away this morning. And I was sharing that with you. And you had a, a couple of comments that you had made, and I want to give you the opportunity to to share uh, some of the, your thoughts around Nelson Nash. Yeah, I have had the opportunity to meet with him a couple of times, and he was so real. He is real because I guess one never goes away, but he is so real. Um, a man sits with you, and there was no pretense about him. He he knows what he knows, and he longs to share it with the people around him. So in his work, um, he's left us truly a legacy, an opportunity to, to say, um, what can we do with it? And we talked about this before when we began. What he talked about initially was scoffed at by many people um, because they didn't understand or didn't want to understand. But now... As people start to look at that, they're beginning to realize that the man was right. And although uh, the concept may go back uh, millennia, he put it in a in a packageable form that we could understand. Um, for that, I'm forever grateful. Um, I love him. He's very fun when he talks. And if you ever get a chance, uh, anyone listening, to listen to his talks, uh, he is just a great speaker and fun to listen to. So I encourage you to seek him out and uh, enjoy them. Thank you, Dr. Benson. Um, well, always a joy talking with you. Uh, I always learn something new when I get a chance to talk with you. 
uh, and it's been too long since we've got to see each other. I look forward yeah. to the next time we're together. And I love you guys too, and looking forward to seeing that. And uh, I, I really appreciate Mike and, and you, Chris, and um, everybody that's been around your organization. It's it's really grown since uh, Mike was alone and hopping in this car and driving around with his wife. And now I see all <laughs> involved, and it's it's just it's like watching a family grow up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have nothing but but positive to say. If anybody's ever in doubt, the things that I share about Mike is. He has the enthusiasm of a football coach, um, but he has the truth of of those that you can really come behind. He's never lied to me. Mm-hmm. And for I am being Nebraskan, I say he's never lied to me. If you're from the Midwest, you understand that he is true blue. When you walk away, he's still the same guy that was there. He just doesn't change. And, and you, you guys, I appreciate you. Thanks Thank for the you. Time. Thank you so much to our listeners. Um, as always, uh, we encourage you to, uh, if you have not read Nelson's uh, book, Becoming Your Own Banker, um, you can get a copy on our uh, website at lifesuccesslegacy.com. We have these podcasts that you can go and listen to. Um, if you are listening to the podcast and this is your first opportunity, we encourage you to go back to the very beginning, the earliest podcasts where we introduce the concept And then you'll have an opportunity to hear um, great people like Dr. Benson and their stories and how they're using IBC in their lives. So again, thank you all for listening. Um, We look forward to our next podcast and uh, thank you so much.